mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, and we're going to be beginning in verse 22 this morning. Uh, but again, as always, by way of announcement, remember John 10 uh, is about the good shepherd. Jesus has said, I am the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. And we know that uh, he lays down his life. I really never uh, talked about that last week. You know, the word forgive uh, and the word for lay down is the word tithemi, T-I-T-H-E-M-I. Uh, and, and it's really the word we get the word tithe from. Now, tithe is not something that we really believe in in the New Testament, but we do give an offering. God loves a cheerful giver, and there's an offering. And that's what this word literally means. Tithemi, it means an offering, a sacrifice. Jesus gave all. He gave his whole life. He laid it down, and he's our example Listen, he's our example of what we're supposed to be doing is laying down our whole life because of what God has done for us. And it, it's interesting that uh, we don't teach this. Well, we do maybe, but we don't teach this in the church, I would say, and that people don't get this in the church. That we're supposed to be, when we're bought by the precious blood of Jesus, we're supposed to be giving up our life, no longer living our life for ourselves, but it's been purchased, it's been paid for, and if we've been delivered into Christ, then we should be living as if we're in His house and helping Him with the reconciliation of souls. So as we close last week, though, we see what we always see as Jesus says he's going to lay down his life. It's a decided thing for this purpose he has come. Uh, we see that there's a division, verse 19 and 20, 21. There's a division among the Jews who are listening to him. Uh, others said, excuse me, he says, this man is, has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Is that a good question? Why do you listen to Jesus? Listen to me. Why do you come to church? Why would you listen to Jesus? Does he make you feel good? Is it a feel good gospel? Does he make you want to go back out and live for self? I mean, why do we listen to Jesus? Because he's God in the flesh and God has spoken. He came to lead us out of darkness. He's the light of the world. Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Listen, they, they clearly admit in this discourse that Jesus healed a man who was blind from birth. Now, we have spiritual eyes to see, and we know that this man actually bowed down and worshipped Jesus after his spiritual eyes were open. But nobody's arguing about whether he healed this man. They're arguing about by what power he healed this man by. Listen, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Yeah, probably. We're being set up right now for lying signs and wonders. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Listen to me. In your argument, in your discussion, 
A demon can, but they won't be open to God. They won't be open to true salvation. They might be open to some religion. They might be open to some crossless gospel. Your eyes might be open to something that says, oh, I feel good. See, because we got this issue in our lives. Listen to me. We see it all across the Old Testament. So I know we still have it in our life. Is what we do is we think that our works or what we're doing lifts us up a little bit. Listen to me and bear with me on this. We raise ourselves up just a little bit. I read my Bible. I went to church. I prayed and we lift ourselves up. But then when we lift ourselves up, you know what we have to do in order to worship God? We have to bring Him down. We have to bring him down to our high place, to our idol, when we lift up ourselves, And that's what they did all over the Old Testament, was they made high places that they would go up to and lift themselves up where they would worship. They would become the priest. They would become the, the leader of their salvation. And then they would bring God down to where they were, and they would lessen who he was. And that's what we do if we lift up anything but Jesus. If he be lifted up, he'll draw all men to himself. And he said, we've been talking about either you're lifting up Jesus or you're lifting your heel up against him as Saul did on the road to Damascus. You're kicking against the goads. He knows where you're at. He knows who you are. He's a good shepherd. He came to supply, to lead us out. Sheep are dumb. Listen, I'm serious. Sheep are dumb. I'm not trying to be mean to us. We're all sheep. But if we're not sheep of God's pasture, then we won't hear His voice. We need somebody to lead us out of darkness. That's why we listen to His voice. That's why we believe His voice. And all it takes is like that long, and we're 15 feet away from the shepherd and we quit listening to his voice, and we don't know that we're being devoured by a hireling, by a wolf that snatches us. You know the word harpazo is used there? And if you're a Bible student, you know the harpazo is the, the rapture word. It's, it's the great catching away. And he uses the word harpazo for a liar to snatch us away from him because we're not really listening to his voice. And he's going to use the word harpazo a couple more times here. But as sheep, we need to understand that we are nothing of ourselves. And every time we lift ourselves up, we have to bring him down. We have to bring him down so that we can feel good about what we've done. But there's nothing good that lives in the flesh. Nothing good that dwells in the flesh. And we have to always be reminded of that. Or at least I do. You know, and I come to church and I want to be reminded. I can't leave here today and be the same person again. I can't go back to the same decisions in the same ways every single week after week after week. When God wants to take us onward and upward and have fellowship with Him and wake us up and uncover these lies and, and expose them so that we will surrender to Him. So, as always, when Jesus shares, sadly, this chapter for John is the last time he'll share with the Jewish people. We're going to see at the end of it, he goes out and he goes back to where John was. Until when? It's next week. till the 14th of Nisan. The text is lining up. I was like, oh, you're, you're so amazing, Lord. Because he leaves and goes out and he doesn't see him again until the triumphal entry till Palm Sunday, till the 14th of Nisan, which is next week. Sort of. I mean, according to our American tradition, and we're going to go along with it so that we can bring about a triumphal entry and a Resurrection Sunday message the following week. But it's really sad to watch. Why do we ask Jesus? Why do we come to Jesus? Why are we crying out to God? To argue with Him? Because some believe and some don't. Some say He has a demon. Some say He don't. Some say that is true and I'll follow that. Others say just because Jesus said it doesn't make it true. What blasphemy can we practice in the church today? When we have a good shepherd that would lay down his life to the me. He gave it as an offering, as a sacrifice to 
satisfy the wrath of God for the sins of the world. And all He asks us to do is to follow Him. We're going to see that here in a minute. You know, when He gave free will to His creation, He gave it to His angels even. And Lucifer, the star of the morning, what did he do? He followed itself. He followed his own covetous pride. And he wanted to be like the Most High God. And then what did he do, Greg? He got kicked out of heaven. And he came down to earth. And he, and, he, and he put that thought into Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve followed him. And we had an inheritance of death. And God says, I'm going to go down and save them. And he came down as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and opens blind eyes. And his own creation said, he's got a demon. We don't want to follow him. We don't want to listen to his word. Yet he came down to open blind eyes. And if we'll follow him and stop following self and lifting up self and we begin to lift him up, because that's all the Holy Spirit in us wants to do. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. And the children of God lift up Jesus. And Jesus lifts up the Father. What say you? Oh, I know. You'd think, oh, why would, why would Greg say that? Why would anybody say that? We're in church on Sunday morning. Why would you ask the question, which camp are you in? Do you believe or not believe? Are you still in unbelief? Do you think he has a demon? Listen, all I'm saying is, is that the church we know has the, the wheat and the tare, the sheep and the goat. Not everybody that comes into a building on Sunday morning truly is living for Jesus and has the Spirit of God in them and wants to go out and see other souls come to salvation and quit living in darkness and wake up, which is what God has got us to do. He sent us down as an alarm clock to shake them and say, wake up and smell the coffee. Wake up, get up. Awake from your sleep. Arise from your death and God will give you life. He'll give you light. And make no mistake, pastors need it as much as others need it. We're all just using our gifts in the body of Christ. And if we're not using our gift, then we're most definitely asleep. Listen to me. Sorry. Make no mistakes about it. If God bought you is for a reason, then he gave you gifts. It was for a reason. And if we're not actively looking to purposefully go out and use our gifts for his glory to see souls saved, then we have to be asleep. We have to be apostate and asleep. Because that's the only reason he came to save us, the good shepherd, to lead us out. So then there's a... Well, we've been in like for 8 and 9 and 10. We've been kind of looking at probably what included what was called the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, and we've talked about this a couple of times, so I won't belabor it. But it happened probably in late October. And then now we're going to see as we transition into verse 22, we're in late December. Uh, we're in late December, so we're going to have like a little gap here in between these conversations, and we're going to see Jesus, uh, where John records it by the power of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is now um, a little later in the season and going to give his last time of talking with them. And he's going to pronounce sentence really upon these Jews that are questioning him and listening to him and can't decide. Because see, there's a time when the decision is over with and our very actions have made the decision for us. There's a time when our heart will be confirmed just like with Pharaoh. Pharaoh kept saying yes and kept saying yes, but then his actions were no. He was yes and then his actions were no. And he was yes, go out, and then he was no. And he kept hedging his bets until there was a time where God said, it's winter in your life and I'm going to confirm this. And there's no more chance I'm going to use you to show my mighty power upon the earth. And as we open in verse 22 here, it says, Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. 
Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works have, have excuse me, many good works I have shown you. From my Father, for which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. And he went away again beyond the Jordan to a place where John was baptizing at first, and there he stayed. Then many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but all the things that John spoke about this man were true. And many believed in him there. Father, we pray that we would be people who believe and then become doers and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. We ask for your spirit and your power, your strength and your might in our life, Lord, that we would have eyes to lift you up. We'd have voices to lift you up boldness to live for you lord so that you would be lifted up and that we would not kick against the goads lead us lord we want to follow we want to follow you because we know you're seated in heavenly places we give you praise today in Jesus' name amen amen now it was the feast of dedication in jerusalem and it was winter John 10, 22. So it tells us a lot. We have some transition statements. We have some timing statements. I don't know if you, the Feast of Dedication obviously was being practiced then. It was an eight-day feast that they would light the menorah and it, and it celebrated uh, uh, what is called the Maccabean Revolt. Uh, the Maccabeans, first and second Maccabeans is... is uh, uh, in the Apocrypha, it's books that are in the Catholic Bible. Uh, if you wanted to read them, they are historical. They are not doctrinal. They are historical only, if I would tell you to read them. But they're the Apocrypha books. And what they really celebrate is uh, um, Antichus Epiphanes uh, from Syria come down and captured Jerusalem. And he defiled uh, the temple, the altar in the temple. Some say he brought his own altar. Some say he was on God's altar. I don't know, but it's a small type of what Jesus talks about in Matthew 24 and in Mark 13 of the abomination of desolation or the abomination that brings desolation. It's a small type of this. And he came in and he sacrificed an unclean pig on the altar. And so when the Maccabean revolt happened, they took Jerusalem back. They defeated the Syrians. And so we have this feast that they would celebrate. It was a where they rededicated the temple back to God. And, and you could think of it in your life as coming and being born again. And you're rededicating your life to God. And you want His light to burn for those eight days. Eight days. Eight is the number of new beginnings. And you have a new beginning. You don't want to continue to go back and do what you've always done. I mean, uh, I think the Jewish people call it Hanukkah. And some people confuse it with Christmas. It's not Christmas. It's, it's in the same month or month of December, but it's not Christmas. It's clearly not Christmas. Even they say they celebrate it on the 25th. It's clearly not. 
It's a total different festival. But it's winter. And the word winter can mean foul weather or it can mean winter. But there's this feast going on uh, uh, during this time. So it gives us time and date and place where Jesus was, what they were doing. And then what was Jesus doing? Verse 23. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Now, again, this tells us so many facts that we have to understand. This is Solomon's porch, and it's a place that the Gentiles could go. The, the original temple in its stately manner was built by Solomon, and Babylon had destroyed it, but they did not destroy Solomon's porch. And this is where Jesus is walking because he's not really wanting to speak to the Jews anymore because they've rejected him. They're not listening to him and they're trying to kill him. They want to destroy him. So he knows he has to be careful with any conversation with them. And so it's really a picture of him going to the Gentiles. He's at Solomon's porch. Uh, Solomon, of course, means peace. peace. Here's a porch of peace. Do you want to be in God's house on his porch? You want to be in peace? Then he's going to tell us how. He's going to tell us to listen to his voice. So this is where he's walking. Of course, I like the word walked. It's uh, peripateo. It's one of our favorite words. It means it's just your general walk. It's how he's living. It's your actor occupation. It's what you're doing now. And here he is. He's, he's come to his own and his own are going to reject him. And then the gospel is going to end up going to Gentiles. It's just a, 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 a picture of that or, or kind of a, a foreknowledge of that. Because first it's still he's going to go straight to the Jews. And the whole, the whole uh, disciples go to the Jews until, again, what do we say? Paul, chapter 9 of Acts. He's called to go to the Gentiles. And, and he quits kicking against the goads. And he begins to listen. He gets up blind. He's led into a city. He, he prays. He fasts. He receives his sight back. And he instantly begins to share that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. So we're at Solomon's porch. And you can see this. This is where they say Jesus began to, to kind of hang out at when they rejected him. They weren't listening. He was trying to teach the boys and hang out with them. And it's where the church actually was at. You see it in Acts chapter 3. They were at Solomon's porch. Remember that? Peter and John at the hour of prayer. They go there and, and there's a blind man, uh, or excuse me, a lame man from birth there. Uh, and he's begging alms. And, they, and, and Peter looks at him and says, fix your gaze on me. He says, silver and gold I have not, but what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ, stand and walk. That's where they're at. They're on Solomon's porch. And that man stands up and he begins to walk. They get arrested for healing a lame man. Again, it's Solomon's porch. You can read about that in, in um, Acts chapter 3. And I like to remind you that anytime we're talking about Acts, Jesus' Acts, your Acts, it's always the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. It's always the acts. It's always got to go back to the acts of what the Holy Spirit is doing through the church. The acts of the Holy Spirit of what God is doing through your life. He, he seals you. He starts to sanctify you. He gives you gifts. And then He leads you. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. That's the relationship we now have that leads us to Jesus, who leads us to the Father, which is at the banqueting table, the wedding supper of the Lamb. And we've been married back into the family of God, where we become joint heirs because of our groom. 24. What happens while he's at Solomon's porch? Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Now listen to me. Because this is again a prefiguring of the cross. You have to go back to Psalms 22, 12 to see this. 
But they surrounded him. And it automatically reminds me of many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. This is what the enemy, this is a prefiguring. We're at Solomon's porch. We're at the temple. We're in the place where Jesus is presenting himself. And then all of a sudden, what do they do? They surround him. They encircle him. Now you might think, well, wait a minute. They're trying to get more information. No, they're not. They're trying to get him to say plainly who he is so they can arrest him and kill him. He knows what's in their hearts. They're not trying to listen to him anymore. They're trying to destroy him because all the people are coming to him and they want to kill him. They are not his sheep. And that's what's going on in the world with the spirit of Antichrist. Everywhere you look and you go, how could they be teaching that? How could they be saying that? How could they be living like that? Because they're not his sheep. My sheep Hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Listen to me. It's so clear. They are not asking. Tell us plainly. He's already told them. He's getting ready to tell you that. If you believe the words of Jesus and if you believe he cannot lie, he's going to clearly say, I already told you. Why did they try to stone him two other times? He clearly told them. He told them eight, ten times. Believe the works. Look at the works. Believe the scripture. Look what I'm doing. How could you not be told any more plainly if you're the people of God that are waiting for the Messiah of God and you're ruling and teaching other people about God and how to live for God? How could you not be told any more plainly yet because of their unbelief? They continue to harden their hearts. And there comes this time that it's winter and he's not going to tell them anything else. They surrounded him. They come and stand around him. They're not coming, they're not coming to hear. Think about it. We've already had a couple people that came and they go, Wow, you're the Messiah. He told the woman at the well he was the Messiah. The blind man bowed and worshiped him in front of them because he was the Messiah. The common people know exactly who he is. They're believing in him. It's the religious, the legalistic, those making and lifting up themselves that cannot see that he's the Messiah. If we will humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, he'll lift us up. But if we lift ourselves up, then we have to bring him down. We have to bring him low. And we take away from who he is. And he's willing to do that. He even tells them, if you can't believe that I'm the Messiah, at least believe the Father's witness. Believe the works that I've done. He's trying to still cry out to them. Look at their question. As they resist His words, as they resist His Spirit, as they resist his, what He's doing, as they resist even looking at the works that He's doing, He's just opened a blind man from birth's eyes. It's never happened. And they continue to resist Him instead of surrender to Him. And they say to Him, How long do you keep us in doubt? Keep us in suspense of the mind. Make us to doubt. How long? An adverb of continuance is what I read in my studies. That How long is an adverb of continuance uh, in Blue Letter Bible? I was like, oh, really? What's an adverb? Never mind. I'm teasing. But it means continuance. He's not keeping them. Listen, Christ came to give light. Christ's word opens blind eyes. He just opened physically blind, spiritually blind, to where he worshiped him. God is not trying to keep us in blindness. He's coming down and shining light in our darkness. And it's our hard hearts that does not receive and believe and obey and follow. And what does he declare about them? He went, they, tell us plainly, they say. 25, Jesus answered them, I told you. I've already spoken. See, God doesn't have anything new to say. He's already spoken. 
If it's new, it's not from God. And if it's from God, it's not new. Everything that God needed to say has already been recorded in this word. It's already spoken. I already told you. And look what he says. And you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. You do not believe because you are not my sheep, as I said. I mean, Jesus knows that. Jesus knows all that are his. Jesus knows every sheep that is his fold that the Father gave to him. He knows who they are. He knows when they're going to come. He knows how they're going to live. He doesn't learn anything on any day ever. He knows everything. He knows everything. He knows all about us. And he says, I already told you. I've repeated the works. But notice why he does the works. I want you to know that who he's given. Look where he's given the glory at. This is why we need to know who we're supposed to be lifting up and not try to steal God's glory or he'll leave the room. Even Jesus is doing all that he does by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I already told you and you do not believe the works ergon, what I'm occupied with, the acts that I am doing, performing in my Father's name, according to his character, his nature, his will, his authority, according to what he sent me to do. So he's saying that I'm perfectly obeying the Father and the Father sent me to do it and that is where I get my marching orders from and I'm obeying Him because it's His name and these works that I'm doing, they bear witness. Uh, Martireo, Martirei, bear witness. Let me see it. Where is it? Martireo. They testify. They give evidence. They give testimony. Again, listen to me. Whether we're following the self-nature, that the sin nature, that the inheritance that comes from following the devil, the father of all lies, or whether we're following Jesus, the good shepherd that leads us out of darkness, the evidence and the testimony of our lives will be clear. Listen, it'll be clear by how we're now living how we're now peripateoing and walking about. Whose porch are we on? Are we still on the world's porch? Thinking it's okay to hang out on the porch of the world and be entertained and have fun? Or are we walking in peace with God to tell others about the peace of God that surpasses all understanding and that they need to be reconciled with God? Whose porch are you living on now? Jesus is no longer in the world, but he's coming back to judge it. And he laid down his life for us. And he's told us, and we're not saved by the works we do, but I can guarantee you our heart, our works, our ergon, what we're, what we're occupied with, the acts that we're doing, will tell you whether they're led by the Holy Spirit or are they led by self. Well, are they led by the agenda of self and death and the world and darkness or are they being led by the Spirit of God for the glory of God? The evidence is clear. And what we do, what we're occupied with, because the Spirit is not going to lead us to go out and chase the toys of this world. Yes, we have to do the natural. It's part of that witness. But are we concerned with souls? And this is all, I, you know, sometimes I say this stuff, and I'm, not, and I'm not in any way trying to infer that I've reached some plateau. I'm not in any way, all I'm doing is sharing the Word of God in my gifting, in my teaching. And not in any way am I inferring that you should be there right now. Let's get there. No, you grow in it. And what you give your heart to, which direction you're going, is what you're going to grow in. If you continue to go and, and be on the world's porch, don't expect to end up in peace and life abundantly because you're training your heart to keep living in the world it takes an act of your free will and your choice that i no longer want to be in the world living this way i want to be different because of what jesus has done because of what he has said because he laid down his life for me i now want to lay down mine for him because he first loved me that's what the gospel is about And we're going to see here in a minute, it's not about what other people know about you. It's not about what other people see you doing. 
It's about my sheep hearing my voice. I know them. And they follow me. Jesus is not confused up there going, you know what? I can't tell whether Greg's my sheep or not. I can't tell by what he does every day. He's not confused because he lost none except for the son of perdition who chose to go out and die. He chose to go out and kill himself in a fallen state. He could have believed, but he went out and killed himself in the state that he was in after he sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. It was winter in his life, too. It was dark. Jesus has already told us. He's not saying anymore. He speaks, excuse me, he speaks to us and he waits for us. And here he knows they do not believe. Now, listen, it's not new. The children of Israel, the children of Israel did this. We see, it, we see the scriptures are an example to us. The children of Israel physically seen it physically seen 10 miracles, 10 plagues, and they were protected perfectly from it. And then they were led out by their tribes, even though they doubted all the, the words of Moses and Aaron, even though they doubted that it was going to happen, even though they complained and grumbled and talked bad about the one who was saying, listen, we're going out. Listen, they seen all of that. But what did they do? They hardened their heart in the wilderness, in the day of rebellion. They rebelled against the word of God, the voice of God, the instruction of God, the commands of God. And what happened to them, Greg? They all fell dead in the wilderness, except for Caleb and Joshua. Let's go to Hebrews. I'm going to read it, seriously. And, and you got to tap me on the hand, get me to move quickly, because it's two chapters and then we'll come back. But I'm just going to try to just read it. Let it stand for itself. And we'll be here for two hours at least. Hebrews 3. Listen, I just want you to see this. Because the whole argument that, that Paul is making, I believe it's Pauline, in the book of Hebrews, is about Jewish people that want to walk away from God. Now listen, if it was not possible to walk away, he wouldn't have wrote the book. If it was not possible to walk away, nobody can harpazo, they can violently snatch you or force you out of his hand. But it must be possible to walk out of his hand and reject and not believe it because we see the Jewish people doing it and we see a letter of excellency written that covers the whole thing that proves that Jesus is the Messiah and he's greater than the law. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than any. And there's nobody else coming if you walk away from him. And you don't hear his voice for such a time as this. Therefore, holy brethren, it's 3-1 of Hebrews. I'm just going to keep going. You can go back and read 1 and 2 to find out why he said therefore. What it's there for. Therefore, holy brethren. Notice he calls us holy because he is holy. And if you belong to God, you're holy now. God doesn't have anything that isn't holy. He purchased it with the blood of Jesus. And that consecrated and set you apart and made you holy partakers of the heavenly calling consider the apostle and high priest of our confession who we believed in jesus christ who is who was faithful to him who was appointed him as moses also was faithful he's 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 wrestling with them about their law and they in his house for this one has been counted worthy of more glory than moses that's the whole argument that the law could never save you inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house for every house built by someone, but, but every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful. We're called to be faithful. It's a gift or it's a, a fruit of the spirit in all of his house as a servant, a steward for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterwards. But Christ as a son over his own house whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, listen to me, the seeing eye and the hearing ear, the Lord has made both. 
As the Holy Spirit says, listen to me, the Holy Spirit is leading us out of darkness. The Holy Spirit is taking everything that belongs to Jesus and lifting it up. And Jesus is lifting up the Father. Listen to me. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial, in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works 40 years, number of judgment. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, warning sign posted on the post, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily. That's what we do today. We're exhorting. I'm encouraging. I'm in the word of God. We're trying to counsel one another. We're trying to learn that we don't want to listen to man's voice. We don't want to harden our heart and lift up our heel. We want to hear what God is saying. And it has to be done in a personal love relationship where you meet with him. Oh, you can come meet with me. And I pray that the Holy Spirit is teaching you. But if you don't begin to meet with him... You're in trouble at the heart of your so-called Christian walk. But exhort one another, verse 13, daily. It's the one another ministry. While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. It's uh, deceiving yourself. For we have become partakers of Christ. You get to chapter 6. If you don't believe that we have become partakers means partakers. When you get to chapter 6, and everybody argues about whether partakers means partakers. Listen to me. He says right here, we're partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it is said, he repeats it, second witness, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Rebellion is, is a sin of witchcraft, we're told in 1 Samuel 15. For who, having heard, they heard the word, rebelled, indeed was it not all, calculator, who came out of Egypt... The world led by Moses, the law. Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses, dead bodies fell in the wilderness? We go through wildernesses. Listen, it's our trials. It's our testing. You're going through them. You're going to go through them. You can't get around them. You're going to go through the wilderness. All of us. It's life. The processing of the practical walk of God. It's not our home. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, his peace, but to those who did not observe, obey? So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. This is the condition that we see right now. It was in the wilderness. It's in the Jewish people as Jesus came. Why? Because they're lifting themselves up. They're in their own power. They have their own system. They're not willing to change their mind and turn and follow God because they already think they're okay. So therefore, they're blind and their sin remains. Jesus is clear about this. Chapter 4, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, the fear of man produces a snare, but he who trusts the Lord shall be delivered. Let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it, short of his promise of rest. For indeed, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Are you kidding me? The gospel was preached to the children in the ecclesia in the wilderness? The gospel, the good news, was preached to them? 
That's amazing to me, guys. I don't know where who you guys are at, but that's amazing. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. If you're going to mix the gospel with anything, mix it with faith. Listen, don't mix anything else with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, except for faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. For we who have believed do enter that rest as he has said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, it's all been finished since the foundation. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains that some must enter it. And those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of what? Disobedience. They did not obey. We were already told that in 3.15, 3. 16, 4, 7. Again, he designates a certain day, saying, in David. Now, when he says in David, he means in Christ, because David is the, the, the grandfather or the father of Christ. Jesus is the son of David. Today, after such a long time, fullness of time as it has been said today if you will hear his voice remember that's phone the phone is ringing pick it up yes lord yes lord yes yes lord pick up the phone yes lord what do you need yes lord i'm here yes lord teach me to be faithful yes lord i want to hear your voice yes lord i will go yes lord i know you're capable yes lord i fall so short yes lord i agree lord do not harden your hearts. Listen, he's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's capable. He's everywhere. He knows what you're going through. He's leading us through the wilderness. Don't get to the doorway of this peace on Solomon's porch and say no. For if Joshua, the Lord of salvation, had given them rest, we're speaking of uh, uh, the Old Testament, the law, going across the Jordan, a type of, then he, capital, would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God, the children of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Listen, we cease from lifting ourselves up, looking to ourselves, looking to our own strength and power, and lifting ourselves up with our works, our religion, our own laws and rules so that we can bring him down. We stop that. We know that he's our all in all, that there's no other way but Christ, there's no other name but Jesus. And we believe. Pistio, we trust him for our spiritual well-being. We've made a commitment. We trust him. We, we've laid down our life and surrendered to him. And we're not kicking against the goads. And if we do, we're not going to do it for very long. Because then he'll chastise us and take us to his woodshed. Are you still doing your works? Are you still lifting it up? Are you still looking to complete something in your power? It's all finished in Christ. 11, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Let us therefore labor to enter that rest. It's some work to enter in, to quit living for self. It's work to enter in, to stop lifting self up. It's work to enter in, to say, not me, Lord, but you. It's work to glorify him. It's work to be dead to self and stay crucified in the grave. And all of us have to do that work. That's the work you're doing is put it in the grave, give the father glory, put it in the grave, lift up Jesus. That labor is hard because we want to get back on the throne. We're sheep. We go 15 feet away and we already want to say, it was me. Look what I done. We go 15 feet away and we go, yeah, I'm pretty good because I went to church last week. We get 15 feet away and we become sheep again that are not following the good shepherd who says, follow me. I'll lead you out. I am the light of the world. 
4.11, let us therefore be diligent. Let us labor to enter that rest. Lest anyone fall, fail, fall down. Listen, I want to fall down and lay my crown. I don't want to fall down down here. According to the same example of disobedience. There it is the third time. It was did not obey. It was disobedience and disobedience. They heard it. They didn't mix faith with it. They didn't step out of the boat didn't trust in the power of God so they made up their own little idol where they lifted up and then they brought him down and then when they seen the giants they turn and run until when until it was winter and they said no it's too late now you're going to spend the next 38 years in the wilderness and they go no we're going to go in so the next morning they tried to go in without God and what happened they were sent like flies swarming running from the enemy. And it was too late. It was winter. At their Kadesh Barnea, where they had a valley of decision, verse 12, here it is. What do we want to look at? Here it is. Here's the answer to everything. The Word of God is living and powerful. All-powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are naked, just like in the garden, and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Yes, we're saved by grace. But we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should work in them. And we cease our own works. We rest from doing our own lifting up, and we lift up nothing but Jesus. If we lift up anything else, we're kicking against the goads in the wilderness. Notice the goads are to get you to move and follow the Word of God and obey the Word of God. We hope you enjoyed part one of a two-part message. Please join us here next week for part two. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear?